The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your Monday. So is, uh, is Facebook down? Is that a thing, Lloyd? Zuckerberg took down all of Facebook and Instagram. You're on the Instagram, right? You're a, you're one of those uh, influ- influencers, right? Aren't, aren't you like a chef or something? Yes. Yeah? No? No. Just looking online at people complaining about Facebook and Instagram being down. I'm actually okay with it. I'm, I'm fine. Not, I'm not a big Facebook person, no, just, so I'm actually okay with let it. Let it be down for a while. Yeah, things will be okay. A long, a long time. You know, let's. And people are, yeah, I go crazy about if, it. If you know what, if uh, if if Twitter went down for a little while, probably wouldn't disappoint me all that much. Although next door, that thing's got to stay up forever. I mean, that's endless amounts of entertainment. No. Yes. No, I would agree. Just funneling through neighbors complaining about each other. The thing is, well, that's like the the Twitter thing. It's become. I mean, that's like that's like our news source now. Like it's where we get everything. It'd be kind of weird to go back to the old the old days. Where you have to? Like, I'm fine with it, but like where you have to wait till like. You know, something breaks on the internet. Like a story is written, essentially. You have to seek out a website. Yeah, like you're like, the good old oh, days. wow. Yeah. BYU to the Big 12. How about it? Holy cow, there's that. a story right here. Things were better. By Claire Hatch. Things were better. <laughs> I remember in the, in the days of, uh, you know, the early days of the internet. Not the early days of the internet, but uh, let's see, the early days of my career back in the early 2000s where Wi-Fi was certainly not a thing, right? And your phone was not a... Uh, uh, something you could surf the web with or whatever, show up to remotes, both newspapers in hand, a copy of the Des News under one arm and a copy of the Trib under the other and saying, all right, we're doing this thing the old-fashioned way. Here we go. I remember when I first got into the business, I was doing a, I was doing a show with the uh, our good old friend, rest in peace, Chris Tunis. Yeah, I love the, the tuner. tuner. And the guy was, he was filling in, in on an afternoon drive show. And I walk in, I said, hey, do you need it? And I'm like, looking, I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of newspapers here. Wow. That's like, I mean, I'm talking, you got the Trib, the Dez, yeah, USA Today. Wall Street like Journal, New Wall York Street Times Journal, yeah, yeah. everything. It's like, whoa, this is crazy. I, I produced a, a little bit, a very little bit for our guy, Tom Barberry. Who was a part of the show on Utah Car Sense, or the station on Utah Car Sense for a long, long time? But uh, also, he had a show briefly on a different station in within Siemens Media Group at the time. Long story short, I got a chance to see how Tom did his thing. And Tom, old school radio, right? I mean, yep. old school radio. He he would have big like poster board squares, not like big posters, but poster board like of articles clipped out and glued on, almost like a storyboard kind of thing. As and he yeah. just bam. Hammer it out and just go through it. 
Somebody uh, asked me, and I probably should fix this, but somebody recently said, how do you keep all this stuff organized for the show? And I just say, well, it's a lot of tabs. You know what I mean? I got a lot of tabs up. Lots of tabs. Lots of tabs. In fact, I have so many tabs that they're so tiny, I have no idea which one's which. Barely tell. And I got to fact, I got to hurry up and scroll through each of them. Oh, there's the story. A lot of tabs. But it's really the same thing, right? Except Very, for where Tom yes. was old school. Just yeah. clip that stuff out, put it right there, and it's right at your fingertips. Yep. Shout out to uh, to Tom Barberry. Great man. Uh, legend in Utah broadcasting, that's for sure. All right. Somebody who's uh, quickly becoming a legend, in my opinion, based on his uh, extraordinary performance as of late as BYU athletic director. Actually, I shouldn't say as of late. Honestly, Tom has done a really good job throughout his tenure. You you remember that when Tom got hired, that was at the end of the Gary Croton era. There was kind of a, a fresh start. Uh, he hires Bronco. He actually hired Robert and I first and then hired Bronco. Hired Dave Rose that, uh, I think, before Bronco, but that same cycle or whatever. Both of those hires turned out to be terrific for BYU. Takes them into the independence era. Has a harder job than probably any other athletic director in the entire country. I think he did pretty darn well, considering um, I don't know, the hand you know, the hand that he was dealt. He just had more work to do, right? He had more games to schedule. He had more uh, stuff that was specifically on him. And yeah, those first couple of years were a little lean from a scheduling standpoint. But I mean, shoot, look at this year's schedule. It's great. One might say he's done an amazing job navigating BYU through troubled waters. (laughs) You you can't say that, Lloyd. That's a good point. And then it gets us to last year where Tom, with uh, uh, um, guts of steel, so to speak, standing up to the tide of... of, uh, not playing football, being the only major program west, what was it, like west of the Mississippi that or west right of there Texas? Was by far the most amazing thing Saying, that he's done. We're playing. Yeah. We're doing it. And had confidence that what they were doing was was right and that they were protecting their athletes and looking out for their best interest. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that. But to say, hey, we're going to go out there and provide these guys a football season. And boy, what a football season it turned out to be. A little crazy. Putting together you know, Coastal Carolina in, last second in a, within a few days what of was a it, plane. Tuesday? Yeah. No, or was it Wednesday? Because they had to send the equipment. Remember, truck. they were tra- and they were yeah. tracking the truck. Like they were like, "Hey, we don't know if you're if there's going to be a game or not, but you go, go, because we're gonna we're gonna be cutting it close." One of the more remarkable things ever. And so, can you uh, imagine if he waited and said, "Okay, so uh, trucks on the way, right?" Oh, wait, no, right. To be like, we we don't even have a deal yet. You better go. (laughs) Crazy. Crazy. And then on top of that, this year to back it up with uh, uh, an invitation to the Big 12 and finding a landing spot um, for all of these, uh, all of the athletic programs, not just football. Imagine what a great basketball situation that Mark Pope is going to find himself in there in that league. And wow, Tom uh, is just outdoing himself. There's no doubt about it. And he doesn't do a ton of media, and that's why it was great that he had a chance to sit in with DJ and PK uh, this morning at uh, what it was the the Football Foundation, National Football Foundation Golf Tournament, I believe. Am I getting that right, Lloyd? Um, and had a chance to jump on with those guys. We thought we'd let you hear that conversation from the BYU Athletic Director. I mean, I know I've known you two for 20 years, and uh, I think that the way we feel about it, I mean, everybody has their relative stress in their career. And I love what I do. 
Um, there are days that are stressful, but like right now, I think um, I, I think it was a great celebration. A lot of people had worked super hard over decades to make a lot of this stuff come true, and uh, we celebrated. Uh, and then we had to turn the page because we see what's facing us right now. So we have uh, uh, we're right in the midst of a very strong and difficult schedule and <clears throat> situations that are presenting themselves with our football team. And uh, then the, the Big 12, there's a possibility <clears throat> two years from now, came to true, came to light. And so we've, I mean, I really have tried to turn the page and get back to the day-to-day um, enjoyment that I feel. This is my bliss. I love, I love college athletics. I love the day-to-day. I love working with the individual athletes, the teams, and the coaches. We have a coaches meeting in about uh, half an hour. And I'm fired up for it. It's going to be great. So I, I think we got to turn the page and move on to the next thing. And we'll celebrate Big 12. Uh, well, we won't celebrate it again, but we'll be in the thick of things real quick. I know you know Chris Hill very well. I can remember talking to Chris. I can also remember you and I joking when you'd schedule these games that would be in the 2030s, and we'd laugh how the two of us would be wiping drool off our faces at that point. Uh, so we'll see what happens when we get there. But Chris Hill, I remember talking to him, and he was saying that when they went in the Pac-12, it felt like it was a revitalization for him personally on the job because he'd been in the WAC Mountain West for so long. And obviously you've been in the Mountain West independent so long, and now now going forward, everything is going to be new, and you're probably already doing to some of it degree right now. Do you feel in a sense a revitalization as far as you personally in your job with all the excitement that's going that's happening now and is going to happen in the next couple of years? I, you know, I really don't know if I would call it revitalization, PK, because I, I feel that um, between the transfer portal and NIL and the, the the constitutional convention in the NCAA right now, you better be on your feet every day. So I think I just wake up every morning and there's a new challenge there. Um, literally things that have are way more intense than they've ever been. Those are things that threaten the way that NCAA call, I shouldn't say NCAA college athletics has played those are factors that are super, super important right now. So we've marshaled all our forces here at BYU. Um, the, the Big 12 uh, joining that conference was part of the plan, and it's part of this uh, equation right now. So I, I don't really think I feel revitalized. I just feel like there's a lot going on, and it's all, all pretty good. Some of it's pretty bad. <laughs> Some of it's pretty good. So this is going to be really different when you get into the Big 12 for uh, just the amount of travel going to West Virginia and, and, and UCF. Uh, the financial level you'll have to compete at will be different. How do you prepare everyone for this? I mean, some things about BYU will always be the same, but some things are about to be very different. How do you, how do you prep the whole staff for that? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Chris Hill and I had a conversation over the weekend and uh, it just was by chance, and it was a really great conversation. But we need to continue. I think I could learn a few things from how that transition came and how they did that. Because, quite frankly, we haven't done that 
um, in a situation where we went. Well, we did it with the, the WCC, but it, it we didn't involve football. We had independence and then the conf, our teams going into the WCC. So I think that it'll be something that we'll all have to learn how to do it. We'll have to figure out what's right. I've been talking with the athletic directors from the Big 12 kind of casually and informally, not nothing formally yet. But those are things that will come up soon. And I, I think that Chris Hill, who's, uh, you know, I've, I've known for many, many years, he'll be able to help me on that. I don't know if safeguarding is the right phrase to use, Tom, but what are you doing now to make sure when that time comes that you hit the ground running? Because we know Utah had a couple losing seasons in football and basketball really hasn't taken off. They took off a little bit, uh, but then they've, they've slumped to make sure that you're in the position that the athletic de- uh, department is basically humming along at the pace it needs to be because where much is given, much is going to be expected going forward. I think there's a couple ideas that are we're working on right now. I think the first and most important is personnel. We have to have the right people in the right places, whether it's in the athletic department or in the coaching staffs or in the you know, player personnel with all of our different teams. And we have two years of competition to be able to work through those issues with an eye on that. It reminds me, when I, when I went to the 49ers as a coach, in 1994, they had lost to the Dallas Cowboys for two consecutive years in the NFC Championships game. They were a really good team, but they could not get past that. And they brought in um, back Ray Rhodes as defensive coordinator. And we looked at personnel in the coaching staff in all of our individual players. And the focus of attention is how in the world are we going to beat Dallas? So if your left tackle can't beat, uh, offensive tackle cannot keep the defensive end from Dallas out of the backfield, we can't beat them. It was micro strategy. And and that's all we did. Everything, Every single thing we did all day was not about the NFC West. It was about beating Dallas. And I, I love the focus. I was able to experience that. And we've done that on a few occasions here where we have certain things that we have to overcome. Goliaths we got to beat. And it's hard. You have to focus all your attention on it. There are some things that we're looking at, right? The second would be strategy. Once you get the right personnel, then there is there are some strategic things that we're going to do a little bit different. They're, they're just different. It's because of the scope and scale of how things are. And we have to learn those because they're not like in a book somewhere where you can just go to a checklist of things to do. And then resources is the third. That's something where we have to really pay attention and be, uh, you know, reallocate our resources and be able to make sure that we do the right thing when we use this, these valuable um, funds that the donors and season ticket holders and corporate sponsors uh, entrust to us. That was a thorough and detailed answer, but in my scrambled brain, Tom, all I heard was Ray Rhodes brought in Deion Sanders. I can't wait to see how Deion's going to be used when he comes to Provo. Well, you, you, that's a very good point that you made. That was one of the things that made a difference. And, you know, we, it's, we've got here playing with certain personnel. And the question is, and the, the point that we, we've already started talking about is you know, focus your attention. The, the kids, we, I always believe that. Uh, BYU's 
a core personnel are the student athletes, high school kids from the state of Utah that are just true blue Cougar fans that from the time they grow up, maybe they're legacy kids from uh, their moms and dads being at the B- at BYU. And you have to have that core. We believe in that core. We've won with that core. But you have to complement it with uh, stronger and better players. So we're going to we, – we've always had complementary players that aren't from the state that have helped us in immense ways. And so we're going to have to do a better, a, a better job. We've done a really good job, a good, better, best. We got to really pick up our um, focus and uh, evaluation and the ability to recruit kids to come in here and compete at the highest level. Football scheduling obviously has been so paramount for you this last decade, and now uh, it, it's going to be in a different manner in terms of how you're going to figure out which games you're going to keep with the non-conference and whether they go nine or, or eight or nine or whatever it might be conference games. I don't know that you know the answer to that. But what's going to be the criteria? You already announced the Notre Dame game, which obviously is a no-brainer as far as what you do to decide which teams you're still going to be able to schedule in the non-conference. Well, the first thing we do is we look at our contracts, and, and we have some many varying and widely different contracts with different teams. Those were contracts that took a long time to put together and schedules that took a long time to get together, and now some of those will have to unwind. So we're in the process of that right now, looking at each individual year and the games that will fit into the schedule of a Big 12, which we don't know yet. You asked that question, and it's not known yet. Nobody, right. they, they haven't determined that. But we'll, we're in that process right now. So you you look out and pick a year, and you see that, obviously, in the past, we had to find games in September, October, and November. Now you're probably going to have to find most of your games in September, and maybe we'll find out there may be availability for games later in the uh, schedule, later in the year in football fall. So those are things that we're working through at this point in time. The answers are coming. They're not all there yet, but we're at it every day. You probably get asked all the time about how you're going to prioritize in-state games with Utah and Utah State. I can save you some time at golf courses and grocery stores. If, if you have an answer now, you could get it out there and get people off your back. Yeah, I don't think the answer is there right now, but I think everybody has figured it out that there are possibly three or four games in given years, and you look at the contract years and where they're at, where they, where you can be, can they move? I mean, that's one of the things that is a, a difficulty is right now, would those schools be able to move? And if you were to look at our schedule, as an independent, we had a lot of flexibility because we were independent and we could move around. We didn't have conference rules about that. So you would see BYU moving games around like maybe a six months in, pre, in, in advance of a season, which is unheard of. We just had flexibility to do that, and we figured it out working with ESPN and Dave Brown. But now... Um, you won't have as much flexibility playing within a conference. So all of those things will work themselves out in the very near future. What is your bowl situation for this season, and how could it change if the team continues as it is? We are um, contracted to play in the Independence Bowl um, unless we were to be invited to a, a 
New Year's Day, New Year's Six Bowl, or or uh, you know, something like that. So okay. that's that's a that will happen based on how we continue on with this season. Tom, you're taking a little time out to talk with us because you know you got a lot of BYU fans listening and they crave answers on all these questions. But it's also National Football Foundation, the golf tournament here. You got a lot on your plate. Why do you set aside a time for the National Football Foundation? What do you find valuable about your association with these folks? Well, it really starts back in when I was in high school living in the San Gabriel Valley down in Southern California. And I was selected to that National Football Foundation scholar-athlete team. There's chapters all over the country. And what they do is they, they choose, um, uh, in the state of Utah, we pick about 11 or 12 players every year. And it's based on their, their leadership, their scholarship, and their athletic ability. you gotta, you got to be all state in order to be on that team. And I remember how I felt when I was um, selected to that team. I had put in a ton of work and uh, our team had had success and I was selected to one of those teams. And when I came to Utah and saw that they had that, it was something I felt was really important. Uh, The state of Utah, the football in the state of Utah right now for high school is very, very good. And I think that the college football teams have benefited from it tremendously. So part of it is just doing service for the high schools and, and for these young men who really deserve a chance at recognition. And then the second part is that I think it builds football in the state of Utah for the colleges. And I think it builds it across the country. The National Football Foundation is an organization that honors the Hall of Fame also for college football. And BYU has um, a number. I think we have eight um, collegiate Hall of Fame uh, coaches and players. And it's a great organization that that really focuses on amateur football, which has blessed the lives of so many of us. And so I'm in. I can do this. It's a little bit of time, but it's worth it. BYU Athletic Director, excuse me, Tom Holmo on with DJ and PK. Tom really doesn't yet have very good answers for the questions everybody wants to know, of course. You know, will the in-state rivalries proceed? Uh, what teams would come off? What teams would come on? Uh, Kalani Satake was asked today in his press conference about whether or not he would like to see the series with Boise State going forward. And so all those things are, are up in the air. I mean, he doesn't, well, I should say we, not just him, doesn't even know how many conference games they're going to play when they get into the Big 12. So they're going to have four non-league games to play. They're going to have three. I would guess they'll stay at nine, although there's rumblings the Pac-12's going to eight. While at the same time, rumblings that the SEC is going to go from eight to nine. I wish it'd just be uniform, honestly. Just, I don't know if you make it, it a, same. a mandate or yeah. whatever. Or just figure out a way to get your minds all in the same place. Either do pick it, do eight or nine, and then just let's go. So we'll see. Anyway, a lot up in the air for BYU, but a lot of good on the horizon and uh, in the short term as well, obviously, as they're five and zero oh, and now ranked in the top 10. So not bad. Let's get out to the zone phone. Uh, joining us now from Premier Wave, he's our friend, Doctor Johnson. Doctor, let's uh, let's talk about this new equipment, uh, this new technology, revolutionary, if you will, that you guys have your hands on. Nobody else has it, and it does a better job. Yes, it does. It's uh, brand new, and it was specifically designed for ED, whereas the other machines, you know, were not really designed for ED, designed for like scar tissue revision or plantar fasciitis or something along those lines. So the first machine that they actually designed and tested, and it's been shown to be very effective. In fact, it's twice 
as effective, if not more, than the other modalities. Wow. Get into that uh, further a little bit. I mean, it just is is more effective because of the design, which I, I know is something that you've been involved in uh, closely. Yeah. So, you know, there's not to get too technical, but there's basically three, you know, kind of wave shapes. There's a, a radial wave shape, which is like throwing a rock into a pond and it kind of radiates out. Then there's a called a column. Um, a funnel wave shape, so like, you know, you put a funnel, kind of points the energy into a point, and then there's a columnar wave shape, which is like a column. So this uses a column wave shape, which lets it penetrate deeper, penetrates five times deeper than the other modality, so it can penetrate up to six inches, which is important in erectile dysfunction, because what most people don't realize is not all of the um, blood vessels are readily accessible. Some of them are kind of deep, and those other machines just don't reach those, so over half of the blood vessels are deeper than the other machines can treat, and this machine can treat those blood vessels. All right, call 385-360-WAVE. Get on the schedule, and uh, if they call during the show today, you're doing a lot, right, doctor? Yeah, so if they call and mention 1280 The Zone, they get $300 off the treatment protocols. But if they've had other treatments from other locations, we're going to give them half off because we know that they'll get results from our machine. We've had several people who haven't been excited or really gotten the results they wanted, and they've already gotten great results from us. 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-9283. You can also go online, premierwave.com. Doctor, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Take care. You too. 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-9283. We're going to let you hear a bit of uh, Coach Witt's uh, weekly press conference. Uh, it's game week for the Utes after a bye. We'll let you hear what Coach Witt had to say next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Joined now by BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo. What are you doing now to make sure when that time comes that you hit the ground running? I think there's ideas that we're working on right now. The first and most important is personnel. We have to have the right people in the right places. And we have two years of competition to be able to work through those issues. The second would be strategy. There are some strategic things that we're going to do a little bit different. It's because of the scope and scale of how things are. And then resources is the third. That's something where we have to really pay attention and be able to make sure that we do the right thing when we use these valuable funds that the donors and season ticket holders and corporate sponsors entrust to us. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Each and every Monday, we bring you a little bit of uh, the press conferences. We're going to hear from Coach Witt right here. Tough time, of course, for uh, the Utah football program. Um, I mean, the bye week certainly was something I'm sure that was helpful. I mean, it's I don't know how on earth they deal with this as a team at all. You know, after losing a teammate in uh, in Aaron Lowe, I, I just don't know how it's possible. I don't know how they would have played a game this past weekend, and I uh, it, I think it's a good thing that they did not. So now they're getting back into the swing of things, getting into game prep mode for an important game against USC. It's got to be difficult. So let's hear from Utah head coach in his uh, uh, weekly press conference this week. 
the tragic, devastating loss of Aaron Lowe is still weighing heavy on our hearts here in our program. Um, we miss Aaron. Uh, senseless, senseless loss. And, uh, you know, for our team to uh, experience uh, the loss that we have in less than a year's period of time with, with Ty and Aaron is, has been a challenge. Um, it's been a struggle, but uh, we'll get through it. And so that's that's the first thing I want to make sure we address is is uh, how much we miss him, and and uh, just it's just something that uh, very difficult to go through. Obviously, um, I see games. Um, Washington State game it was good to get off on the right foot. In Pac-12 play, a uh, week ago and uh, get the victory, home home victory uh, against Washington State. Uh, of course, coming off a of bye week now and heading into USC week, uh, big challenge. I know they've dropped a couple ball games this year, but they're as talented as they ever are. And uh, that uh, that's uh, a high level of talent is what they have. And so uh, we'll have our uh, work cut out for us. It's on the road down in the Coliseum, which has been a, a brutal place for us to play. We haven't had a lot of success there, if any. And uh, so we got to prepare and get ready and, and move forward, which uh, which our team is uh, ready to do. So questions? Kyle, how, how hard is it to, to focus on football? I know obviously just even talking right now, it's, it's not easy to make that transition. What, what, right. What's this experience like? Uh, extremely difficult, to say the least. Um, Fortunately, we had a bye week last week to regroup, I guess you can say, and and, and uh, come to terms with uh, with the uh, tragedy. Um, and so, yeah, it's challenging. It's a challenge, and and uh, you know we've got uh, a lot of football left, and we've got to move forward and, and uh, carry on. Coach, obviously, in the last before what happened to Aaron you guys were processing and mourning what happened to Ty over the previous nine months. How does what happened to Aaron last weekend kind of impact that grieving process, and how does it kind of, I don't know if it add to it is the right word, but you know, how are you sort of dealing with both? Yeah, we're, we're doing the best we can, and uh, it was surreal when I got the phone call. Sunday morning, it was about 6 a.m. When I got the phone call, it was... Uh, you know those calls are never good. That's the first thing I can say is when you get those 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. calls, and, and uh, it's just never a good thing. And uh, it was almost the exact scenario that when I got the Ty Jordan call, it was about 5.30 a.m. in the morning when I got the Ty Jordan call. And so first thing on your mind is, oh, no, you know, what's, what's happened? And then you get the worst possible news, worst possible news. And... Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's challenging, and it uh, and uh, takes everything you got to to overcome it. Do you have any plans to bring in some sort of independent grief counselor or something like that to kind of if the guys needed or if you needed or the coaching staff kind of yeah. go there? Well, we have we have a great support staff here in house. We have a great. Uh, team of counselors and psychologists that uh, are available for our players. Our, our department's done a great job of, of assembling that team, and, and uh, we uh, had a team meeting the, the Monday right after the the uh, passing of Aaron, and, and the psychologists were there and make sure that we let everybody know that 
that uh, it's a resource and, and they are there for the support of the team and don't try to deal with it on your own. If you're struggling, reach out. So that was the message. And, and yeah, we, we did exactly what you say, but it was in-house rather than out of the house. Kyle, when Ty died, you guys have gone your separate years for the holidays already. Right. At this point, you're in the middle of the season, your players are together. Can that be beneficial being together? I think there's some therapeutic value to that, yes, and to help you know everyone lean on each other and and uh, support each other. And we had a, a team meeting on Monday, like I said, and, and there was a chance for players and coaches alike to express their thoughts and feelings. And I think that was that was helpful, and that was uh, the start of the healing process. And you know, the healing process—the only thing that'll heal is time. You can do uh, whatever you want to do and as much as you want to do, but but time is really the the thing that that uh, is the ultimate healer. Are you guys traveling to the wake and the funeral from LA, or whoever wants to go? No, we'll, we'll come back, and the uh, funeral will be on Monday, yeah. so it's a week from today. Yeah. What were, what were your thoughts when you saw that, that the uh, police department made an arrest for Tuesday? Well, it was, it was a very positive thing, and, and uh, it gives you some sense of justice, I guess you can say, but but uh, we'll see how things transpire and, and what happens from here, but but it's progress. And uh, so I thought that was a, you know, a positive thing, and, and I know our players are uh, feeling the same way. I know that um, players are dealing with this right way, <clears throat> so the coaches, the guys especially brought Aaron into the program, mm -hmm. how are they handling it? Well, it's been difficult, as you'd expect. I mean, you lose, you got, you know, when you're a coach, uh, you know, when you're the head coach, you got 120 players, and you treat them all and feel about them all like you do your own children. And so it's like it's like losing one of your own. And and uh, coaches uh, feel the same way, particularly about their position group. And then the coaches that recruited the, the particular players, I mean, that impacts them tremendously. And so it's uh, you know it's 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 tough. I mean, there's there's nothing uh, nothing that. Uh, is uh, anything but a, but a huge challenge in a situation like this. Kyle, what have you gone through you know, in your life and in your career that kind of prepares you for how to lead people through this? Because they yeah. never lead in eternity. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, when tell our team this all the time is when you lead the leaders most is during difficult times. Anybody can lead during good times when things are going smooth. And, and so this challenges us all, and, and uh, particularly me as the, as the leader of the program. Uh, any particular event, I mean, I've had very difficult things happen to me in my life and, and losses of uh, loved ones. And so I would say your entire body of of your life is the preparation, you know, just just uh, going through life's ups and downs. And, and uh, that's, that's uh, you know, just as a generic statement, just it prepares you. It's, you know, it's prepared me and helped me in this situation. but. But uh, each situation is so unique, and so uh, you know, just uh, just so difficult to deal with. But but uh, you draw from your experience. Yeah. In terms of grief and the players processing things, has anybody come to you and says that they're just not up for playing this week? No, or nobody. Yet? Nobody's mentioned that. And uh, we had a uh, uh, we had two team meetings last week. We had one right on Sunday when when we just learned of the event and. Uh, it was, uh, you know, and 
everybody knew it wasn't you know news travels so fast there was nobody in that meeting that, that wasn't aware of what happened but but that was the first team meeting that we had then we had a, a team leadership council meeting uh, Sunday night because I wanted to get the feedback from the from the leaders and and uh, as far as uh, you know how we were going to move forward and what the what the plan was and and just to make sure that uh, coaches and players were all on the same page so Kyle, what will you remember most about Aaron? Anything, anything like Aaron, a lot of the same things I remember about Ty. Just a, a guy that had a smile on his face all the time. Walked into a room and just was, was, uh, just lit up the room. I mean, the, the same comments and and uh, description of Ty fits fits Aaron, and I think that's maybe why they were so close. You know, they were they were a very close friendship, and and uh, they were very similar in their personalities. And uh, of course, they played different positions and that type of thing. But, but as far as who they were as a, as people, uh, was uh, there was a lot of common ground there. Coach, um, how much concern do you have that sometime in the near future, in the throes of a game, one or more of your players are going to have some sort of flashback or some mm-hmm. sort of response that potentially could take them back to a memory of Aaron, or I don't know, maybe they were at the party or something that could possibly put them in harm's way on the field? Uh, you know, I hadn't thought of that. That's something that I uh, hadn't, hadn't, uh, hadn't considered. But, uh, you know, when you get when you get in a football game, it's you go into game mode and you go into a different state of mind. And so uh, I think that uh, I guess there's a possibility of that. But I would I would say that, uh, you know, when a player, when a football player is in game mode, uh, he blocks everything else out and just focuses on, on what's going on. You get, you get the sense that players, not that they want to put them past them, obviously they want to grieve, they want to do this, but football is an opportunity for them to kind of just, like you mentioned, kind of get out of that experience and just play. I mean, yeah. and, and especially with an opponent like USC, how does, how does that work? Yeah, and that's exactly the sentiment that the uh, leadership council said. Is this, you know, the best the best way to heal and the best way to uh, get through this together is to get back to doing what we what they love and what they're here you know one of the main reasons they're here obviously getting their education is the primary reason but but uh, that's getting some getting back to some sense of normalcy but at the same time you know you never put it out of your mind but it's it's uh, you know it's just a, a therapy in and of itself I guess you could say getting back on the field follow that up from a football standpoint, you guys came out of Washington State with some injuries with the three safeties yeah. um, and Makai Bernard. Can you offer anything on those? No, we don't ever offer injury information during the so season. Any season-ending injuries? No, we do mention season-ending. There's no season-ending injuries out of that. Yeah, so it's kind of our our mo on how we handle that. You, you talked a lot this season of trying to clean up some mistakes and games and everything. Is this going to be even harder now with with the distraction? Or do you feel like players are maybe maybe it's a little bit more attention to detail or whatever that may be? Well, we'll see. You know, I can't I can't predict one way or another, but. Uh, there were certainly a lot of things that uh, we have to work on and, and continuing to continuing to work on. But but uh, whether this provides more focus, I could I couldn't tell you. I couldn't answer that. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> Hanging in there. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, challenging. It's you know you just you, a million things go through your head and, and you just. You know, keep going over and over the, uh, you know, essentially the same thoughts, and and uh, it it uh, really uh, 
brought back Ty's passing. I mean, it, it kind of all is wrapped into one now. And, and uh, so it's uh, been the most challenging year of my coaching career, hands down, without any question at all. Have you had a conversation with your players about you know, going to parties and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a conversation we've had probably a thousand times, and but this even heightens that and makes them aware that it's a different world we live in today. It's not it's not the same as it was even ten years ago, and, and you got to be careful. And, and that's not to say that Aaron put himself in a you know pointing a finger, say, hey, look, don't do that. But you just got to be aware. You got to be aware that that uh, things have changed and. Uh, and uh, try to keep yourself in safe situations. There you go, Coach Witt, his weekly press conference, and that was a tough one. Get her. That's a that's a tough one for Coach. The toughest uh, year of his college coaching career, and I would one hundred percent believe that. So, there you go, Coach Witt, uh, talking a lot about uh, where the team goes from here, which is such a. Such a difficult conversation, I'm sure. We'll get into the market update coming up right around the corner. Don't forget Tanner Mangum at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Frank Dolce at 4.30. Coach Chiesa at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And then Jazz pregame takes over at 5.30. Coach Tim Lacombe will be in the house. We'll get you ready for a 6.30 start. The Jazz taking on the Spurs. And, of course, we'll be here for halftime and postgame as well. More next here on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Huh? Huh? I told you we'll make a play. The best college football coverage in Utah is right here on the Zone Sports Network. We don't quit. Let's go. The Utes hit the road to USC for a battle against the Trojans in hopes of keeping the dream of a Pac-12 title alive. Huh? Huh? You're listening to The Big Show with Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Tanner Mangum, former BYU quarterback, is going to join us uh, coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. We'll go from a BYU quarterback to a former Utah quarterback. That would be Frank Dolce, who's going to be on the show at 4.30. Coach Chiesa joins the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Normally, we do Cole Fotheringham or talk to Cole Fotheringham at 5.30 on Mondays. But uh, the Jazz pregame show is going to begin at 5.30, so we're going to uh, touch base with Cole Fotheringham coming up tomorrow. Uh, Mason Wake will also be on the show tomorrow, so we'll be heavy uh, with college football and uh, with the players uh, coming up on tomorrow's show. Right now, it's time for a market update brought to you by our friends at TryDayTrading.com. Now, anyone can be a day trader. Visit TryDayTrading.com. Not a good day on the markets. Um, Dow Jones down uh, 324 points. S&P 500 down 57 points. And the NASDAQ 
down 311 points. So a lot of red there. Not good. Not good, Lloyd. Oh, that's not good at all. Luckily, you and I are uh, are both uh, really heavily invested in JCW's gift cards, and uh, they tend to be a little bit more stable. Yeah, so I'm doing all right that way. Yeah, it's all right, you know. It's helping my portfolio. <laughs> it's very much. And, of course, uh, we're joking, and uh, even more, uh, the reason why to get in, front, in touch with our friends at Trajan Wealth. Uh, let's get out to the zone phone. Tanner Mangum coming up right around the corner, but joining us now, of course, he's hanging out with us all show long. He's our friend Dr. Johnson from Premier Wave. Doctor, let's uh, help our listeners who might be struggling out there with ED. Yeah, we have a, a new laser. I guess it's actually an acoustic wave machine, brand new, just got FDA approved and was specifically designed for erectile dysfunction. So they've thought through the process, and it's twice as effective as any other treatment. So really, you know, if you're serious about ED, come see us, because we have the best technology, the best trained staff, and you want to get it rectified, then we're the place to come, because you have better than double the chance to have a good outcome. What would you say, doctor, to guys out there who, who might be listening to this, kind of on the fence? I know it's a sensitive subject. What would you tell those guys? Well, the thing with ED is it doesn't get better. It just gets worse because it's an aging process where your body deposits plaques just like in the heart, and then you start losing blood vessels, and so you can't get an erection correctly, and it's not going away. It's just going to get worse, and now there's treatments that are, are effective, there's no point in neglecting that part of your life because it's such a big part of our life. And the thing is, you're not alone. So many people suffer from erectile dysfunction. 50% of men over 50 have some sort of erectile dysfunction. And erectile dysfunction is not just it doesn't function at all. It's a wide range of uh, different functionality so that you might not be performing as well as you used to when you're younger. That is considered erectile dysfunction. So come get treated. And for those who don't have, like, severe, this is preventative. If you get treated now, then you're going to be have much less likely of getting problems in the future. Here's the number to call, 385-360-WAVE. And uh, if our listeners call and get on the schedule, I know you're doing a lot for them today. Yeah, so we're so excited about this new laser that we're offering half off to anybody who's had a treatment before and not gotten the results they have wanted because we know that you're going to get results with our laser. And also for all the zone listeners who have not tried a treatment, we'll give them $300 off a series of treatments, which are six treatments, so it's a great offer. Now's the time to come get it done because there's no point in waiting. You can get it beat, you know, get it done and be better in three to four weeks. All right, 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-9283. You can also go online, premierwave.com. Dr. Johnson, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Take care. Jake, have a nice day. You too, buddy. All right, thank you very much. That number again, 385-360-WAVE, 385-360-9283. Uh, we're going to talk to Tanner Mangum, talk some BYU football next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.